Hello, everyone, you included. Uh, here's a couple things before we start the show. I just got this email. Uh, it's about Modern Mail, my new hour, which, by the way, we just got over 500,000 views. I think it's up to 550,000 views on YouTube. Thank you for that. Uh, the album version is being released by 800 Pound Gorilla, and they just sent me an email right before I started recording that said uh, SiriusXM's channel Raw Dog. Uh, it's, it's hard to say Raw Dog without just giggling like a schoolgirl. Uh, Raw Dog is going to be airing uh, Modern Mail in its entirety next Tuesday. That is June 23rd, uh, 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you have SiriusXM, flip it over to the Raw Dog channel next Tuesday, June 23rd at either 2 p.m. or 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and listen to the whole thing. On, uh, you know, uncut, unedited. You're not just getting a track, you're getting the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, yeah, yeah, the same thing that's available. Just go do it, alright? I don't know why I'm talking myself out of pitching this. This is great, and I'm excited. Uh, it's good news. It's good news. Sirius XM pays a good amount of money for every track they play, and they're about to play 14 of them. Twice on the same day. Cha-ching! Because nobody's working and I can't sign up for unemployment or any of those. I gotta get whoever helps sign up Ruth Chris and the Cheesecake Factory. Remember those big ones that got all that like disaster relief? I need disaster. Anyway, I don't need disaster relief, but I wouldn't return it. You know? I'm pretty selfish. Uh, what else? I'm gonna try comedy. Stand-up comedy, live. It's happening in Oklahoma City, July 2nd and 3rd. Three shows, one on the 2nd and two on Friday, early and late. Go to ZoltanComedy.com. The website is back up and running. And get your tickets. I think it's going to happen. I bought my flight. I might cancel it. Like, I had a comedic, a comedic buddy. I had a comedian friend of mine cancel his show this weekend in Phoenix because... They're running out of ICU beds. I don't know. I feel like every plan we're making during these times, it's in pencil. All right? It's in pencil. So I'm penciled in to be at Bricktown Comedy Club in Oklahoma City, July 2nd and 3rd. I bought my flight. I've put, I've made a Facebook ad. I'm telling you, you know, I mean, it's official as far as that goes. Buy your tickets. If I don't show up, I got, they'll refund them. You can get your money back, but go buy your tickets. It's going to be socially distanced, so they're only going to sell a certain amount of tickets. So everyone can be spaced out, for whatever that means. We're going to try. We're going to attempt. We're going to attempt. That's all we're doing. We're just trying. That's what the world's doing. Is that positive? Huh? Ah! Let's hit the music. This week in Recording and action. Yes, we are synced up. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Zoltan, episode 296, coming at you on a beautiful, uh, it's Tuesday as I'm recording this, no matter what you guys say in the comments, depending on when you read it or when I uploaded it. Right now is Tuesday, June 16th. It is 1.54 in the afternoon, Pacific Standard, San Diego time. It's happening. We're here. It's, uh, I don't know, I got my beard trimmed, as you can tell. I gave up. I gave up. I, I had told myself I was going to be patient, 
and I wasn't going to trim my beard until it was legal to do so. And then Sunday, I think, no, Friday, last Friday, I just had it. I was on the couch. I ran my fingers through it, and my two out of my five fingers got stuck in my beard as I was trying to run my fingers through it like they were like they were a curly wig that's what it was like I was running my fingers through a curly costume theater wig on a production of Fiddler on the Roof that's what it felt like when I ran my fingers through my beard two out of my five fingers got stuck that's almost half that's almost 50% of my fingers on one hand got stuck and I said, that's enough. And I ran into the bathroom. I grabbed my, I grabbed my lawnmower 2.0 by Manscaped, which is made for the general, uh, you know, southern regions of the body. And I said, nope, it's for the face. And I went, brah, rah, rah, and I didn't do a bad job. This is the best I've ever done trimming my own beard. Usually what happens when I trim my own beard is I miss a piece and take a notch out of a mustache, and then I have to shave my whole face. And then what do I do to cover acne? Huh? Yeah. It's just going to be there. It's going to be seen for the world. So, trim my trim my whole beard. I got to, uh, I got to show Emma that I have no chin. This is why I keep a big beard, by the way. Because I got a weak chin. Alright? I need facial hair and I sculpt it like I go to the when I remember when barbers were legal I would go see the guy that did my beard and I would ask him I'm like can you sculpt me a chin and like a professional hedge trimmer like a professional gardener he would come in and sculpt me a chin out of my own facial hair and then I could walk around following my nose which was following my chin I could do that but now it's just there I am just a chinless goober with a little bit of fuzz on it. You know what? It's lockdown times. Everyone's making a sacrifice. Some people are out there sacrificing, protesting for uh, racial inequality in this country. Some people are out there uh, working at the grocery store, working at doctor's offices, doing things. And me, I'm sacrificing by not being able to go and get a proper beard trim. So instead I'm walking around like a chinless goober with this beard that I trimmed with my ball shaver. Welcome everybody, episode 296, coming at you hot. <laughs> That's how I started my week. And then uh, I also did a show. I did my, uh, I did my first, my, it's my fourth setback. Not setback, my fourth set back into action. Which, who knows how long this is going to last. Because I feel lockdown 2.0 coming. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I feel it. That's why I said, like, at the beginning of the show, I'm promoted. I'm going to be in Oklahoma City working at a comedy club. Bricktown Comedy Club, July 2nd and 3rd. But I feel like any plans we make around this time are done in pencil. None are done in permanent anything. This isn't in pen. It's not in marker. It's not even an erasable marker. It's in light pencil. That is every plan everybody has. It is in light pencil. You're not even pressing down. You're just whispering it onto a piece of paper, hoping no one else notices, hoping the world doesn't feel your intentions and decide to lock down again. But I feel the second wave coming. 
But if it doesn't happen, I'll be in Oklahoma City July 2nd and 3rd doing three shows at the Bricktown Comedy Club. Buy your tickets. It'll be socially distanced. And, you know, if I end up not showing up, uh, refunds will be issued, of course. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like the second wave is coming. My butt, I, had a, I, I said it in the opening buffer, but I had a buddy, a uh, comedian friend of mine, he just canceled his weekend in Phoenix because they, they're running low on ICU beds. And... He's like, well, that's not good. That's how much they're spiking, that they're running low on intensive care units, beds in them. So that's probably not how you say it, but I've already said it out loud, and we don't edit. Uh, so he's like, I'm canceling my weekend. So he canceled his weekend on a Monday. He canceled it yesterday. He was supposed to be there doing a Thursday through Saturday run at a club over in Phoenix. I'll do, I mean... I just feel it. I feel like every reopening phase... It feels like people have taken the reopening phase as a, it's over. And it doesn't mean it's over. It just means you have to still keep your six feet distance and put your stupid mask on. Otherwise, we're going to have to go back outside. All right? This is this whole thing is essentially being run by a strict dad. And we're going to disrespect the strict dad and we're going to have to go back inside. All he said was, you can go play ball in the field... But stay away from my wife's rose bush. And what are we doing out there? We're just stomping all over her roses with our tallywhackers hanging out. Like, not only are we stomping on the roses, we're arrogant about it. We're like, watch what I do. Would you say about your roses? Stamp, stamp, stamp. Flop, flop, flop. I'm naked. How do you feel about it? We're going to have to go back inside. I had the best example of it on Sunday. I, I, dropped, uh, I dropped someone off at a, for a doctor's appointment. And I, they wouldn't even let me wait for them in the lobby. We couldn't even walk into the building. I had to make a phone call for someone to walk outside, open the door for us to come in. They checked her temperature immediately. And then I come in. I sit down for one second in the waiting room. And they're like, do you mind waiting outside? Not even like outside of the office, outside of the building. Do you mind going back out to the building? Out of the building. Just get out. Go back into the world. And there was no one else in the waiting room. It was just me and the receptionist. There's an empty waiting room. And they wouldn't even let me wait in there. So then I go outside and I decided to walk the block. This is in Hillcrest where there's bars everywhere. And every bar I walked by was packed shoulder to shoulder. Nobody wearing a mask. There were some people outside of the bar waiting to get in wearing a mask or the restaurants or whatever, but it seemed like once they got inside, then that means it's okay, and then they take it off, and everyone's packed in there. And it was such a weird thing to go from the doctor's office, where someone had to come out, escort us in, do a temperature check, and then I still had to go outside. And then I walk around the same neighborhood around that doctor's office, and everybody is not is throwing caution to the wind. They don't care. I'm going to go with the medical professionals on this one. I know everyone's got an opinion, but unless you have a lab coat, I have a hard time believing you. Unless you have a framed degree on your wall that says you went to medical school, I, I don't buy it. Even if you don't even need to be a doctor. I would take advice from like a, a, a nurse, 
a registered nurse, uh, a, a dental assistant. I, even if like a dental assistant was like, hey, I think this thing's blown out of proportion, I would believe them more than the rest of us. Because you're like me. I'm like you. We don't know what it is. We're like, is this okay? Can I do this? That guy's not wearing one. Maybe I don't have to wear one. That group of people over there isn't wearing one. Maybe I don't have to wear one. But it just doesn't make any sense. I want to believe the throng of people. Is that the right word? I want to believe the masses of people that are like, this thing's overblown, or this thing's made up, or this thing is nowhere near as bad as they say it is. I want to believe those people, but none of you went to medical school. It, you know what that would be like? That would be like if I drove my car and I heard a knocking sound under the hood. And a bunch of my friends who weren't mechanics said, well, it's still running. You should keep driving it. But people that were mechanics were like, no, I think you blew a rod and I think we need to replace the head on that motor. You should stop driving it before you catch it on fire. I'm going to believe the people that have their names sewn on their shirt in that situation. And that doesn't mean that I think my friends are stupid. I just think they're stupid based on this category on the category of cars and knocking sounds they don't own shirts with their names sewn on them so i think they're stupid to this situation i don't think you're stupid based on the world i don't think i'm stupid based on like general existence but i think neither of us have a medical degree if a uniform company isn't regularly dropping off lab coats for us i don't think we know what we're talking about the only people that are reopening things are politicians, and we got our, we got it's election season. They're trying to get reelected. They're trying to do what we want them to do because we voted them in. We didn't vote doctors into being doctors. We didn't vote nurses into being nurses. They just went and did it. They're not. I don't. Some people are like ah, they got an agenda. What's their agenda to telling us the truth? They're not up for reelection. What is it? I'm going with the people in lab coats on this one. And I went to a doctor's office and they were pretty serious about it. They were as serious about it as it was like three months ago when all this started. They haven't wavered. They're still like, we don't know what this virus is and we should be careful. But politicians trying to get the economy back and trying to, you know, quell everyone's anger is like, all right, try opening it up this way, but leave a mask on and socially distance and we're like what oh this is over nice and we throw our mask on the ground and we just go in there tongue kissing each other's butts thinking this thing's not going to spread it's a bad idea it's a bad idea but i feel like there's going to be a second wave and that's why like i'm taking uh, so far i've done four sets back and I'm taking them in a way of like, this is just a taste for my own sanity to know what it's like to be back. But I have a feeling it's going to be taken away from us pretty shortly. So I did a show at a brewery last Friday. It was in the parking lot of a brewery. And once again, like they tried to socially distance. They didn't do it. I did a good job staying away from everybody, but they had it set up all weird. Like, it was great for the comics. It was very safe for the comedians. I stood way in the back of this parking lot, like back, back, back there. And then when I came to the stage, I came around. 
I walked on stage. I had my own mic stand and microphone that they set aside for me that was already wiped down. And there was like a 12-foot buffer between the edge of the front of the stage and the first row of people. But then once that first row of people was there, everyone was just clumped together. It was almost like the show was set up like the comedians have the coronavirus and everyone else is safe. I think that was my opening line. Because I think that's how it was set up. We were set up like all the comedians are diseased, which is a safe assumption. If you're at a comedy show or a concert, any type of thing where there's like, uh, I hate using the term artist for a comedian, but anytime there's an artist and an audience, if you had to take a guess, you'd be like, that's the guy with the disease. And I get that. We're a rough looking bunch. All right. So especially that group of comedians we had that night. We look like we had something, even if it wasn't the Rona. We look like we were definitely like, eh, you know, eh. so it just looked like they were protecting themselves from the comedian, not so much the comedian protecting themselves from the masses. But I did a show there, and it was, uh, you know, it was a pickup truck crowd. It was uh, Make America Great Again kind of vibey of a crowd. It wasn't the whole thing, but there was a little bit of that. So I did my uh, I did my little joke, which anytime I talk like politics, or and, and this wasn't even politics. I was talking about the virus, but it seems like anytime you mention, like the virus is politics now. Which is crazy. Depending on how you talk about the, the virus, it's taken politically now. Which, I don't think that organism votes. I don't think bacteria vote. I don't think the virus totally understands what a president is. I don't think they know what the Congress does. I don't know if they know what the Senate does. And for that matter, not just bacteria, not just the virus, I don't think most Americans know what any of those jobs really fully do. That's why every day is surprising. Like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Um, but they made the... Vi- and, and anytime I'm on stage and I, I, I talk about something remotely political, I always try to play it down the line and make both sides laugh. Because I think it's easy to make one side laugh. That's easy. You just, like, sing the, you know praises of and use the buzzwords that this side likes or if you're trying to make this side laugh use the buzzwords and stuff that make them go finally one on our side or whatever the case is but the way i try to do uh political stuff if i ever do it is try to go down the road and make both sides laugh because that's the real that's hard it's easy to make one side laugh you just say the thing that they believe they don't even care if it's funny. They just want to hear someone speak into a, a amplifier system, something that they believe, and they'll go, Woo! Yeah! Either side. But to like go down the middle and poke fun at both sides and have the room laugh on that, that's, that's like the kind of stuff I go after. I think that's fun. Like That's the stuff that gets me jazzed where a joke works on both sides of the room, or if the whole room is one way, making them all laugh, and then saying the joke also in another room where they're all the other side of the political aisle, and they all laugh just as hard at it. That's the stuff I like. And then I go into the virus, and the virus is such a sensitive issue that I was already, like, losing them. 
just by saying anything about it. They're like, I already heard the liberals and the conservatives. It's shut up. Shut up. Also, about it. Oh, keep politics out of comedy. You don't mean that. What you mean is, don't say anything that goes against my views. But if you have a joke that lines up with me, freedom of speech. But if you say anything that goes against what I like to hear on the news channel that I choose to listen to, you you stick to comedy. You throw some pies in your goofy face. Otherwise, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, it's dumb. It's dumb. But it was good to have a set like that. It was good to have a set like that in a parking lot in front of some people that could feel where I was coming from and hated the feeling of which place I was a-coming from. It was nice. It's nice to have that uh, animosity. That's what being on stage is like. You go up there, you share it. It's a beautiful thing. Because you get immediate satisfaction. Like some of you out there... You get satisfaction from leaving like a Facebook comment or a YouTube comment or a tweet. A tw- I almost said a Twitter, but I said switched switched it to tweet halfway through. That's why I stammered. But you get your rise out of that. But you have to wait for that, right? If you tweet something or if you put something on Facebook, you got to post it, and then you got to wait and wait till it comes in. And then someone comes in and bites, right? And then you have a Facebook or Twitter war with that person. You're like, yeah, I really raised their ire or I had a bunch of people agree with me. But my point is you have to wait. Stand-up is so immediate. You say it, there's the reaction. It's even quicker than the quickest internet package that you have. And it's a beautiful thing. And you get to, I don't know, you get to feel, you get the immediate response of the room. Hey, what's the level of this room? And then there you go. Like, well, the joke I've been doing, uh, I mean, it's not even just a joke. It's honestly how I feel, which is a lot of my bits. But I honestly thought when this coronavirus thing started, I thought it was going to bring us all together. And it did for about like three days. And then the fourth day, someone was like, that virus is a Democrat. And it was over. And then we made it political. And that scares me because that means when the aliens do come and attack, we're not going to band together and fight them. We're just going to sit there and go, oh, let's see how they vote in November before we get all out of hand about it. They might be on our side. (laughs) And that was the joke. But people, like, jumped on it from the first line. And I was like, just give it a beat, man. Give it a beat. I'm not opposed to you yelling at me. I mean, I was doing a show in a parking lot. That is a place to get yelled at for your opinions. I can't even complain about that. Like, if I came on this show and I was like, I did a show at the parking in the parking lot of a brewery, and people didn't let me finish my sentence before they yelled at me. No, it's a parking lot. It's where you yell. Very few, uh, you know... Um... Very few constructive conversations have taken place in a parking lot. Very few. It's usually a lot of yelling. It's usually a lot of, you saw my blinker. There's usually a lot of those in parking lots. So the fact that someone didn't, not just someone, the fact that a couple people didn't let me finish my, I thought this virus was going to bring us together, but we made a political piece. It's to be expected. You'd be shocked if I told you the other way. 
You'd be shocked if I told you I did a stand-up comedy show in the parking lot of a brewery, and they let me finish a virus's political bit, where they waited till the end and then giggled. You'd be shocked. You're like, where the hell was this parking lot? How many trees were on the outside of that parking lot? It's, uh, you'd have questions. You'd have follow-up questions, that's for sure. That is for sure. What do we got here? Emails? Gmails. That's what we got. We got some Gmails. Uh, second wave. Oh, my mom's cat died. Yeah. Yeah, my mom's old cat passed away. His name was Leppy. Uh, we don't know how old this cat was. My mom had him for 10 years. But he was well-grown by then. I think this cat was probably around 15 years old. Oh, poor Leppy. What a sweet cat. Speaking of sweet cats, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but Jessica's snoring. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but there was a good snore right there. Um, the, anytime my opinions come out, she just zonks out. It's, it's like clockwork. But uh, yeah, my mom's cat took a dive. Um, not like LeBron in basketball, like kidney failure finally took him down. But I believe he was somewhere between 15, 17 years old. He's an older cat, uh, belonged to another, I think he used to belong to the manager of the trailer park where my mom lives. And then he moved out. So then someone else took the cat in and then they moved out and then the cat lived outside and so my mom started feeding this cat, but didn't want to l let the cat live inside because we had, she had parakeets, you know, a couple birds, and she doesn't want to let a cat in to eat the birds. And then eventually, you know, she let the cat in. But the point is, my mom had this cat for oh, 10 years. And what a sweet little black and white tuxedo cat. I don't know if that's the official name for him. But just a sweetheart of a cat. Big Tomcat, too. He had the big Tomcat head. You know those big heads those Tomcats get? Like, I don't even know how they get that. I think it's like when you neuter them late. Like, when they don't get neutered right away, something about the testosterone coming from their cat testicles goes to their head, and it just swells like a 50-year-old alcoholic. So he had this giant... He's a beautiful cat, but he had this big, beautiful Tomcat face on him. And just the sweetest cat. I mean, I've seen him kill a lot of animals. I saw him eat a squirrel. saw him eat a bird outside. Swallowed him whole. It's pretty impressive. I don't even know how he digested that. Beak, feet, everything. Claws, bones, whatever birds have, you know. Pretty impressive. Um, but a sweetheart of a cat. My mom would call him Marge. You know, Marge from The Simpsons? Because he would make that noise in you know how Marge would like kind of like under her breath kind of moan slash growl like when Homer did something stupid I can't do it but you know what I'm talking about this cat could do a spot on impersonation of Marge that's how he communicated absolute sweetheart I got the call on Saturday or Sunday I believe Saturday or Sunday that my mom had taken him in because he looked sluggish and they said yeah He's got kidney failure, and it doesn't look good. We could give him, we could send you guys home with an IV thing where you hook him up to an IV every other day, but 
I don't recommend it. That's what the vet said. I go, I think you should put this animal down. And my mom doesn't like watching animals suffer. So she's like, yeah, go ahead. Put them down. And we all had a, a good cry about it. It's rough. I think it's very important, though, that like when a vet goes, hey, you need to put this animal down. It's suffering. That you put the animal down when it's suffering. Because I, I, I knew somebody that had a cat with kidney failure. And they were still, they did the IV thing. And I used to have to go over and kind of watch the cat when they traveled. And it was, this cat was dying. I mean, it was just there. Alive, barely. Like, it wouldn't do any, it wouldn't move. You'd have to pick it up and then you'd stick the IV in. He hated that. And then it was almost like, this is a very crude way of saying it, but it was almost like plugging in your iPhone. You're like, oh, we need to, my phone's dying. You just plug the cat into this IV and then it would wake up for a little bit. But just bad, you know, I feel for my mom. I feel for anyone that's lost a pet. It's the worst. They're they're a member of the family. If anyone's watching this or listening to this and you're a non-pet owner and you've never had a pet, uh, if you've never had, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's I don't know what to relate it to. You just have to experience it on your own. Everyone knows how much it hurts. Because it's this entity that you didn't fully communicate with. Like, you didn't have full-on conversations with, but you communicated with them, if that makes sense. This was a member of your household. You'd see them in the kitchen. You'd see them in the bathroom. You'd walk by each other in the hall. You'd watch TV together. You'd sleep together. You'd eat together. If you were having a bad day, they could sense it. They'd come by, purr on you or sit on your lap, or put their face on your lap so you can pet them if it's a dog. Whatever it is. It's a real shame. I'm going to try to get my mom another cat. But she needs time. She needs some time to get over Mr. Leppy. The Lepster. I don't know what that name means. My brother named him. And he was young when they got that cat. He came up with Leppy. I think it means leopard. It was like short for leopard. But anyway... R.I.P. Mr. Leppy. You're up there watching over us somewhere. Maybe you're back to your old ways, living outside and eating birds again whole. I remember that. I was coming to visit my mom, and I drove by her front yard, and I just saw Leppy eating something. I'm like, he's eating a bird or a squirrel or something. And so I quickly parked my car and run over. I'm like, what are you eating? And the last thing I saw was two bird feet go down his, like, go into his mouth and disappear. And I went, ugh! What a savage! Just a savage cat, man. That cat used to stay outside at night and, like, fight other cats. I think he used to fight dogs. Like, he was a bad dude in his younger days, you know? His last few years, he's been retired. He's been indoors. But, like, the first five years my mom had him... He'd like to go outside and pick fights. He was kind of a bully. I like that about him. You know, he's territorial. You know, that's how he was. So he went out there, rubbed some people up, came back in. Very much uh, very much a fan of the Mr. Lep. Let's see. What, what can we do to wrap this up? I didn't even talk about this. Oh, I got... How did I... How have we not talked about this? I got shingles, you guys. <laughs> I don't know how I got shingles, but I got it. And I'm not even sure it is shingles. It's on my back of my neck and my shoulders. I'll save you the grossness. Uh, But I think I got it. And by I think, I mean I don't have health insurance, which means when you get sick, you got to become a medical student, go on WebMD, 
and uh, read a lot of articles and compare symptoms and then go on Google image search and try to match up if you have like a rash or anything physically wrong with you. According to my WebMD and Google image search research, I have shingles. So I've been, uh, you know, I've been staying inside and trying to stay away from people. It's gross. I've, that's what I found out. I found out that people think it's gross. That's what I've found out. I had to reschedule a dental appointment. I told the front desk girl, I was like, hey, I need to reschedule my appointment for tomorrow. And she's like, oh, okay, uh, we can get you in today. And I was like, no, I got shingles. I'm gonna, this is going to mean, and she just goes, ah, ah. She said O and U at the same time. She like jammed those two vowels together like a baby trying to learn to talk. She just went, oh, ah, okay, how about August? She went, I, I was supposed to have a dental appointment today, which is June 16th. And then she's like, well, I can get you in Monday. I can get you in the day before. And then as soon as I said shingles, she went, ah, I got something August 80th. No, is what she said. Like, I got something August of 2022. Keep your gross shingles. Is there like a negative content? What is wrong with shingles? I know it looks bad. It looks like I got a rash on the back of my neck and my shoulder. I get it. It looks gross, but come on. It's not like I got, like, uh, leprosy or something. Calm down. She acted like I had coronavirus. That's how she acted. She almost, like, I feel like she would have been less grossed out if I told her I got coronavirus. If I told her, yeah, I tested positive for corona, she would have been like, all right, well, maybe we can work you in two weeks from now. But I told her I got leprosy, or not leprosy, I told her I got shingles, and she's like, August of five years from never. I'll let you know August of five years after we close this office. How about that? And I was like, okay, I'm in. Put me down for August never. I'll be there. So yeah, I got shingles. What else did I write down? Oh, Trump had a speech today. He gave an executive order uh, that was a part of police reform. That's good. I hope it happens. This is uh, for the people that maybe feel like we don't need police reform or whatever or maybe you're against it or you don't understand it like one of the things he said he goes i'm going to make a federal ban on on uh on on like choking on a chokehold and it's like the fact that we're in 2020 and we're just now doing attempting to put a national ban on cops choking people I think that alone lets you know how far behind we are in policing. Let alone the systemic racism. By the way, this might be an itch from my uh, shingles. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It might be on the front of my shoulder too. But yeah, just to give put out an idea how far behind we are on 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 policing and the need to reform policing we're just now trying to federally ban choking people like hey maybe that's not a good idea because a lot of people have died we haven't even begun to scratch the surface on like systemic racism and prejudice that some people might be bringing into the workplace or the workplace might have instilled in them that's still to come up which is i mean it just 
there's just those moments that'll let you know how far behind we are. There's those weird moments. Like I, I, I told uh, Emma that we were talking about racism in, in the United States, and I was like, I remembered a documentary that I watched that was about a school in Mississippi's first non-segregated prom. And she's like, how, how long ago is this? I'm like, it wasn't that long ago. It was like in like the 2000s. And she couldn't believe me. So I looked it up. And yeah, there was a school in a high school in Mississippi that had their first desegregated prom in like 2008. I mean, that's just crazy to say out loud. It's, it's wonderful because like we look at human beings as this... Uh, evolving species you know i mean it wasn't 20 years ago 25 years ago most people didn't have internet 20 years ago a lot of people still didn't have internet wi-fi wasn't a word people knew smartphones none of this was around when did these come out 2007 and it was even a small select few people that had them back in 2007 here we are 13 years later everyone's got one Homeless people have them. Homeless people have smartphones. That's how far we've come. So you, you look at the human species, the human race that way, and you're like, we're, we're moving so fast. But then you go, yeah, there's a high school in Mississippi that had their first desegregated prom 2008. That's insane. In 2020, just this year, We've, we're trying to put a federal ban on police choking people. As far, as much as we move forward and as quickly as we move forward, there are some serious issues we drag our feet on. Really bad. And it seems to be the ones we can't make money off of. That really seems to be what's driving it. Like, technology... We can make money off of all day. Billions of dollars off of it. But how do we make money off of getting police to stop choking people? How do we get money off of ending racism? How is that profitable? And that's sad, but I think that's the big prevention. If they could somehow make ending racism profitable if we could somehow make ending police brutality profitable if we could somehow make equality profitable everyone would be fighting for it left right indifferent we're such an economy-based people that if we don't see a dollar sign at the end of the tunnel we kind of don't think it's important to even discuss and that's really sad, obviously. But that's for the big thinkers out there. All the smart people of our society. We need to keep fighting to make a difference, but we can really advance ending of systemic racism and police brutality and equality if you somehow make it profitable. That's disgusting that that has to be even said out loud. But yeah. Make it profitable, and we'll end it a lot quicker than anything else. Make it the new iPhone, somehow. Make it the new Tesla. Make it the new something, and 
put it out, put an IPO out, put it on the stock market. People can buy in on Robinhood, and it will be over in like a year. That just man, that's a really sad way to end the podcast. <laughs> I'm good at that though, aren't I? Especially these last twenty something episodes. Everything ever since this lockdown started, every episode has just ended sadder and sadder and sadder and sadder. But I don't think what I said was not true. I think that's who we are as a people. We care about money. Money we'll care about. You know, humanity. We kind of lost our humanity and and, uh, sacrificed it for profits. It's still in there. We still have it. It's just that there's money being made here and you're like, but if you could connect the two. I guess understanding that it's an evil and needs to be done and dealt with, maybe that'll make it easier. Anyway, uh, I think that's going to be the show this week. Sorry for not ending it on a more positive note, but uh, but yeah. Oh, here we go. We gotta we gotta read off our cat person level people. Uh, if you guys don't know, you can support this show. You can support me by going to my YouTube page, Zoltan. Cassis. So youtube.com slash Zoltan Cassis. Join the almost 40,000 subscribers. If you're not subscribed to my page, subscribe to my page. And if you really want to support, become a member of my page. It's like a Patreon or uh, I don't have anything else to compare it to. But yeah, there's three levels of membership. There's uh, $1.99 and they're all monthly. So for a buck ninety-nine a month, uh, you're pretty much saying, yeah, you like the show. Then there's a $4.99 level, and that's where you can get full episodes of the podcast with video. And then there's the $9.99 a month level. This is the cat person level. And it comes with a lot of perks. Go to YouTube. Check it out. Uh, but here are the names of the uh, cat person level people. Uh, Ema Catherine Maya, Tat P, Alan Nugent, Jonathan Kinsey. And by the way, big thank you to all of these people for being cat person level people, sending me 10 bucks a month to continue doing whatever it is that I do. Uh, Samori Augusto, Laura Hornstra, Coastal805, Ilea, Jungworth, Danny Cox, Diane Norton, Laura Rolson, Judy Dean, Annette, Supreme Coalition, Susie Wilson, Jamie Bassett, Marley Garrison Quay, Amanda Scharfenberg, Jim Jing Yom, Sarazanto, uh, Marilyn Rx, and Elena1960 at Live. Thank you very much for supporting. And uh, if I didn't catch your name and you just signed up, I'll catch you on next week's episode. But until then, uh, I'm going to end the video here. And then as far as you guys go, let's do a song of the week. Let's end this proper, why don't we? Huh? I got something for you. almost sound like a threat the way I said it. I got something for you. Oh boy, do I have something for you. What do I got for you? Let's see. I Want to Conquer the World by Bad Religion. That's an uplifting tune after I ended the podcast, which is sadness. Anyway, Have a great week. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on iTunes, and I'll read your comment in the opening buffer in next week's episode. Support!
right here and your action speaks aloud, I can't hear what you're saying. Hey sister, bleeding hard with all of your compassion. Your labors through the hurt, but can't assuage temptation. Hey man of science with your perfect rules of measure. Can you improve this place with the data that you gather? Hey mother mercy, can your lungs be improved forever? Is your fecundity a travel or a treasure? Stop eventually. There we go. Have a great week.